It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 791 of Locked On Raptors for uh, Tuesday. I have no idea what the days are anymore. The Raptors are out, so the days mean nothing. It's Tuesday, September the 23rd. No, it's Wednesday. I'm an idiot. Wednesday, September the 23rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure that you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got team focused shows covering all of the teams in the big four sports, plus the big college programs with more college shows on the way as well as apparently the college sports season is going off as though there's no virus. That's dubious, but we will have it covered for you either way on the Locked On Podcast Network. So make sure you're checking out subscribing to rating reviewing all the shows that you would like to support covering the teams that you like and love to root for every single day all right on today's show we are starting a bit of a series on this podcast it's a daily podcast and it's the off season so that means we have to get super granular and we love doing that so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to do basically a review of every player on the Raptors season. We'll start off in the first segment by talking about what happened. The second segment, we'll take a look at what is to be expected next season from the player. And then in the final segment, I'm opening it up to questions. So each day I'm going to put out a prompt to ask a question about the individual player we're talking about, and you can send in your questions. And if you have the best question, we'll use that to build the segment around uh, in segment number three for every one of these player review episodes. So today we are starting things off with a bang with everybody's favorite player. Apparently we got like a dozen questions about this guy and uh, it's the choice of today's guest. It is Matt Thomas. We're talking about the guest is not Alex Wong. Although it would be a fitting guest to have on this podcast, considering he's probably responsible for the support of Matt Thomas. But it is, in fact, our pal, our pal, <clears throat> excuse me, Big V, Vivek Jacob. What's going on, man? Nothing much. I mean, I mainly selected Matt Thomas just to troll Alex and <laughs> make him feel under threat that someone's coming for his brand. But uh, yeah, I think, I, I don't know how you plan on going from here, but I felt like maybe we can start you know uh with the lower rotation guys and move up as yeah. we go along it makes a lot of sense to me um i, I you calling matt thomas a lower rotation guy this is a guy who played eight man eighth man minutes in the playoffs this is uh slanderous for me but either way <laughs> it's an eight man rotation he's eight <laughs> okay fine technically i guess you're right um but yeah we're gonna dive all into matt thomas who uh hit the scene this year with the 99.9 effective field goal percentage on open threes from Europe, 
didn't quite hit that mark this year, I don't believe, but he was still quite interesting and fun and showed out a little bit in the playoffs to the point that maybe you can sort of change your high, your expectations for what you think his ceiling might be as a player for the Raptors. Perhaps he is a little bit more than a low rotation player as Vivek so disrespectfully dubbed him. Um, what, what was your, other than the fact that you wanted to start with sort of lower guys and work our way up to more high profile, was there another reason why you were interested in Matt Thomas as sort of a guy to dive into here? Yeah, I think he's a fun player to think of in the context of where he's come from at the beginning of the season to where he was at the end of the season playing play, playing in a Game 7 against the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was honestly a bit strange that we didn't see him at all in the second half because uh, his minutes throughout the series were good. And I thought he injected the Raptors with some life in – that second quarter stretch when he was in there. So, yeah, I, I thought it was weird that he didn't play the second half of the game seven. And again, going back to where he was at the start of the season, we know he can bring the offense, but uh, defensively, I think he's made some real strides. And I think about the beginning of the season where he was basically uh, a chicken with his head cut off <laughs> playing Twister at the same time, um, I think those uh, that's how he's going to get on the court more. That's how uh, he's going to, you know, give himself opportunities to make an impact offensively. And, you know, so, some of it obviously entails the Raptors going to zone while he's on the floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the other part of it is just he's a really smart player. And you see it in his offense in the way that, you know, it's, it's not like, oh, they've taken away the three. Now I have nothing. He has different elements to his offensive game. And so defensively, I think, you know, he's understood that, okay, I'm not, you know, 6'8". I'm not 250 pounds. Uh, there's so many – there's only so many things I can be effective at. And one of that – one of those things is positioning. And I think his defensive positioning has improved a lot more. Yeah, it's been quite an evolution since the start of the season. And let's not go and say he's Tony Allen or anything like that, despite a couple of instances maybe to the contrary, suggesting that he in fact is new Tony Allen who can also shoot threes. Um, But let's sort of go back. He's the Middleton stopper though. We saw that in the same games. (laughs) This is true. Um, let's Let's go back sort of to the tail of the tape for Matt Thomas before we kind of dive into the story of this season as well. Um, he had 4.9 points a game over 41 games played average just over 10 minutes in those games that he did play uh, kind of went in and out. I think of Nick nurse's rotation he, again, he didn't play all of the 60 or 70 something games um, because obviously the defensive limitations were there. He shot 47 and a half percent on 2.4 attempts per game in those 10 minutes. So he came out firing. He ended up with an effective field goal percentage of 64.3. Not bad at all. Half an assist a game, 1.5 boards uh, did not register a block yet this season so uh still working on that i suppose and um yeah that that's sort of the the statistical breakdown he was well above average three-point shooting the defense i don't think the raptors defense really sagged when he was out there necessarily and usually he would provide a bit of a burst to the offense that very few guys off the raptors bench really specialized in obviously you bring in ronda hellish jefferson and chris boucher you know chris boucher is happy to fire a three he's also happy to make one out of every five of them and most most of those guys you know contributions kind of come on the defensive end and the sort of the gritty 
in between areas where Matt Thomas really seemed like a way for Nick Nurse to kind of grease the wheels of the offense if things were not humming along. And during the regular season, that didn't take place all that often because the Raptors were just fine offensively for the most part, except for a couple of games, which I'm sure we'll mention here. But in the playoffs, as things got super sticky and all of the half-court offense problems we expected to take place uh, kind of arose, Nick Nurse went to Matt Thompson a little bit more often and kind of without fail, him coming into games made things a little bit easier. He's got a ton of gravity when he's running around off the ball, going through a, a maze of screens. He can actually kind of do a little bit as like, I don't, I don't want to say like an initial pick and roll operator, but if there's like a side pick and roll that kind of comes in the halfway point of the possession, he can kind of operate that pretty, pretty reasonably well. And then as you mentioned, he's got those counters when people run him off the line in particular, stepping in two steps and taking a couple dribbles and then firing it off glass like it's 1974 uh, and it kicks ass. Uh, what were your overall impressions of the way Matt Thomas was used this season? Did you think he could have been used more? Did you find he was effective? What were your sort of overall impressions of his first season with the Raptors? I think he was used in the regular season pretty uh pretty well there there might have been you know maybe here and there some opportunities for him but I think for the most part uh he was used just as much as you need to and the reason I say that is because I think with all rookies unless you're a real standout I think it's really tough to put you out on the court defensively and so I think you know, with the Raptors having made that commitment to him uh, beyond just this season, uh, that the, there's a couple more years to go here, that this year was a lot of, hey, you're going to have to learn the defensive schemes. You're going to have to under understand how the NBA defenses work. Um, and so I thought with the way offenses looked to single him out when he was on the court, uh, he, was play he was probably used as much as he should be. And I think, you know, his usage in the playoffs was probably more reflective of just how bad the Raptors offense was at times and how much they struggled to generate half court looks. And so he showed his benefit, the benefits he can provide there. Uh, he was again, better defensively than many would have expected. You know, he, if he's a passable defender, then, uh, the upside is certainly there. I I think offensively, again, what's most encouraging to me is the fact that he's not a one-trick pony. He's he, you know you, the job's not done as a defender if you just throw, uh, chase him off the line. He's got uh, a really nice mid-range pull-up. Uh, he, he's willing to probe a bit more and make a pass, whether it's outside or you know to to, to a big that's rolling to the basket, and so. Uh, I, I like his overall IQ, and yeah, I, I, I think next season there's probably more room for him to show that he should be on the court. I think the one limiting factor, obviously, is his size. Uh, people will say, oh, can he be J.J. Reddick? Can he be um, Kyle Korver? They they have the advantage of a, of a bit more size, right? And so uh, I think that's just a limitation that he can't control. Yeah, you definitely saw at times it was difficult for him to get a shot off, right? Like, I think oftentimes you'll see, you know, those guys like Redick and Korver, because of the nature of the way they play, oftentimes teams will put 
sort of smaller guys on them who can more you know easily navigate screens and that kind of works to their advantage because they're like six seven six eight and they can just put it up over top of the guy whereas matt thomas at like six three six four it's not quite as easy but that's where those counters come in and i think we saw him use those pretty effectively i don't think we saw him often sort of like force threes because he knows he's out there to be shooting threes he's very good at sort of not becoming a heat check guy when it's just not there for him. And I think that's a really valuable skill for a guy like Matt Thomas, who is sort of fighting to get into the rotation on the margins. Um, was there a game in particular this season that stood out to you as season high was against Milwaukee in the bubble um, 22 points in that game where there was no Giannis, obviously extremely fun in that one. Um, he had another big game against Denver, 12 points in the bubble as well, where he was two of three from downtown, four or six overall, and kind of filled the stat sheet in a way he doesn't typically do. Again, not very meaningful in terms of uh, what that game meant, but uh, was there a game maybe from the regular season that stood out to you as like, oh yeah, that's the usage of Matt Thomas you want to see? I don't think any game stood out to me more than the Bucks game. And some of that may just be recency. It's been so long since we watched a regular season game. <laughs> uh, but you know, what's actually funny now is I was just double checking to make sure. Uh, Kyle Corver is 6'7". We always knew he had the height. I did not realize that Matt Thomas is taller than J.J. Redick. And it does oh, not really that way at all. Uh, no. Matt Thomas is listed at 6'5", and J.J. Redick is listed at 6'4". That feels like a lie to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it definitely doesn't seem that way. I mean, if someone were to ask me to guess, I, I would have said Matt Thomas isn't more than 6'2". Mm-hmm. Um, so well, Disregard everything I said about navigating screens and smaller guys being able to guard him, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I uh, again, I, I thought JJ had at least a couple of inches on Matt Thomas. And so uh, if that is indeed the case, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there is an opportunity for him uh, – to really uh, find a way to get up more threes. And, you know, this this goes back to uh, something Nick Nurse said early in the season about how they wanted to develop Matt Thomas, and they gave him film of the guys that they thought he could emulate. And mm-hmm. so if, if, if he's really studying, you know, the likes of J.J. Redick and coming off those screens and uh, trying to find a way to make it work, I think that that's something uh, that maybe now is possible. I, yeah, I, I had no idea <laughs> he would be just taller than JJ Redick. That's a game changer. That is certainly a game changer. We should probably have known that coming in, but uh, again, he does not carry himself as though he is six foot five. Uh, let's just no. put it that way. Um, I, I, if there was a game that really stood out to me, I think it was the loss to Milwaukee on February twenty fifth. Obviously, they lose that game, but uh, Thomas comes in, he has nine points, he had three threes, I believe, in the second quarter of that game, and kind of did what he did in the playoffs, where they were up against a very good half-court defense, they were struggling, they bring in Thomas, and you know, you think, hey, against Milwaukee, his defense isn't going to hold up, but actually, if you think about Milwaukee, they have one guy doing everything and everyone else standing around, and so you can kind of get away with it a little bit. And he was effective, he was a plus 12 in a game they lost by 11 in 12 minutes of, of play, so... That's the one that stands out to me as like the most important Matt Thomas game and the one that might be most telling of how the Raptors try to incorporate him more into the plans for next season. We're going to get into the plans for Matt Thomas next season and what maybe he should be working on this offseason. But first, I want to tell people about rockauto.com. Right now, I'm in the middle of hunting for a new car, and I can tell you that when I get that new car, 
And when something goes wrong with that new car, because something will go wrong at some point, it might be new, it might be fresh, it might be all good, but at some point something's going to go wrong, you're going to need a part replaced, I'm going to need a part replaced, and guess where I'm going to get that part? It is going to be rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need and a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate as well. Quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck and choose the brand specifications and the prices, most importantly, that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available that, uh, that'll that fit your car, your vehicle, whatever you drive, whether it's a fancy 1974 Corvette or a brand new sort of get around town beater car, right? Locked on as well. And the how did you hear about us box to the know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Big V, so Matt Thomas, next season. He has, like, I think a partially guaranteed contract for right around the minimum. They're obviously going to exercise that and bring him back. Um, I think he did more than enough this season to show that he's worth a second look. And, you know, where he fits in the rotation is obviously a question. We don't know what's going to happen with Fred Van Vliet. If Fred Van Vliet leaves, maybe that's some backcourt minutes available. Um, and yeah, you would just think the progression of a guy who just finishes rookie season, they're going to try to work him in a little bit more often. Um, we mentioned some of the things that he did well this season, some of the strides he made over the course of the year. What is your early inclination as to what we can expect from Matt Thomas when it comes to his role on the team next season? Do you think it'll be something similar? Do you think it'll be a little bit more jacked up with some more sort of offense designed around what he does well? What do you expect from Matt Thomas in 2021, uh, 2020, 2021, which is going to be so hard to say for the entire year? I mean, you know, we might not even have to call it that because it looks like they're not going to start till 2021 anyway. So it'll just be the 2021 season. <laughs> uh, Good point. But yeah, with, with Matt Thomas, I think, I think the biggest challenge for him is Terrence Davis being ahead of him in the ro- rotation come the regular season. Obviously, Matt Thomas is the one who got the playing time in the playoffs, but uh, I think the challenge is the fact that Terrence Davis is not a, a primary ball handler or has not shown he can be that just yet. And so when you've got uh, both of those guys who operate better off the ball uh, and, and Terrence has the athleticism that he does, <clears throat> I think, uh, and, and ob- again, with Terrence, you're hoping he makes defensive strides as well. I think that's where Matt Thomas's biggest issue will be. Uh, he, I think he's still going to get uh, a decent amount of looks in the rotation uh, to, to bring his shooting onto the floor. And again, sometimes it's just going to be uh, to be a spark plug, right? We, we talked about the Milwaukee game. I thought the Memphis game where, again, the Raptors had got spanked 
by Boston in that seeding game. They played Memphis next. Again, they couldn't get their offense rolling. And so McNurse turns to Matt Thomas. He comes in, makes a couple threes. And Nurse talked after the game about how, you know, just seeing the ball go in the basket helped infuse some life into the team. And all of a sudden, other guys start knocking down shots. So I feel like in more high leverage situations, uh, the tougher opponents, that's going to be more his role where it's like, hey, uh, we're searching for a spark and we, we really need something to get going. And then, you know, I, th- I think against the weaker teams, especially the weaker defensive teams, uh, you can you, you can probably have him out there and kind of go off a little bit. I think uh, the 22 was his season high, right, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah, against yeah. Milwaukee. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get a 30-piece uh, a <laughs> uh, next season where Alex Wong is just going off. There are very few uh, joys in life that compare to watching Matt Thomas do things while you're sitting next to Alex on press row. It's uh, it's quite it's quite a time, and I hope we get to see that again at some point here, uh, if ever we're allowed back in the building to watch basketball games um, before like 2025. Um, so uh, another important question about Matt Thomas next season. This is uh, a bonus question from listeners that were working in here is from uh, everyone's favorite Twitter, uh, Bill Simmons podcast listener on behalf of <laughs> is Kate asking a question. How many in-game threes does Matt Thomas need to attempt next season to be invited and eventually dominate the all-star game three-point contest? Um, you know, this is a very important question. The Raptors have had a history of players in the, in the three-point contest. I believe Jason Capona won it when he was on the team if I'm not mistaken, and Kyle Lowry, uh, remember, uh, once got seven points and then had wrist surgery after doing it. So it's been a checkered history for the Raptors in the three-point contest. Matt Thomas feels like a dude who would destroy the three-point contest. So the important question about next season, yes, the on-court stuff is defense, blah, 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 blah. We'll get to that in just a second. But the most important one is about the three-point contest. Do you think Matt Thomas gets there and what is required of him to be in the running to, uh, to to get invited to wherever the all-star game may take place. If it actually happens, because who the hell knows what's going to happen. <laughs> um, I don't think he will be in the three point contest next year. Uh, and, and it's going to be a shame because I look at the guys who are in the three point contest at the 2020 all-star game. And pretty much all of them are at a minimum of, of eight, nine, three point attempts per game. Like just to read out the participants from the 2020 All Star Game, uh, from the uh, from the three point contest, uh, Davis Bertans, Devin Booker, Devonte Graham, Joe Harris, Buddy Heald, Zach Levine, Duncan Robinson, and Trey Young. And so, I don't think he's gonna get anywhere near that many attempts. Mm. And so, unless there's just a ridiculous Hype train, like we're all gonna have to become Alex Wong <laughs> to find a way to make this happen. It'll be our greatest achievement yet, and I look forward to the challenge. Um, I, <laughs> see, I I think the fact that he played like high-profile playoff games this year probably works in his favor a little bit. Like you have to be a little bit in the limelight. 
I don't know if Duncan Robinson was necessarily a household name, despite the high attempts this year. I don't think he was a household name really before we even got to the bubble necessarily when the Heat started beating the shit out of everybody. Um, yeah. You know, he was there, he was fine, but I think you could even say like Tyler Hero was more famous than he was. The dunk mm-hmm. contest, or sorry, the three-point contest obviously helped out with that and sort of put his profile a little bit higher. I think Matt Thomas, considering he played some big games, and I'm assuming he's going to have a bit higher usage next season. Like he had two and a half attempts a game in 10 minutes played. If he bumps that up and shoots a little bit more often and they drop some more stuff for him and he plays like, I don't know, 18 minutes a game, I think he can get to like five attempts a game maybe. And then maybe that's enough. I don't know. And maybe he just shoots such an ungodly percentage. Like he goes 65% or something like that for the first half of the season. And they're like, okay, we got to bring this guy. He's like a freak. And that's how he gets in there. Sort of a novelty pick, but yeah, you're probably right. Raptors internet's going to have to be loud on this one. Uh, and it's a shame that Raptors internet has never been loud about anything before. So I guess it's a lost cause. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quickly on sort of the, the next season developments for Matt Thomas before we get into the question uh, from the listener who is that's going to build the final segment. Um, is there, if you had to pick one skill for Matt Thomas to refine this offseason, you only get to pick one, what would it be and why? Um, I think, I think it'd be ball handling more than anything. Uh, because mm-hmm. again, the more competition he can provide there, uh, the better the Raptors. Again, he doesn't have to be the one bringing the ball down the court, but if he can be the one coming off a curl and can show enough times that he can create off of that one, if the initial look is taken away, I think that's, what's going to open up, uh, more plays run for him in the offense. And, you know, I, th- I think just watching him in general, obviously I love the fact that if he's chased off the line, he can, you know, take a couple dribbles in and uh, pop for the mid-range. But almost like the Celtics were doing to the Raptors, those, those, uh, those overzealous contests, uh, I, I think if he could just go to the side step three, I think that would be something nice too. And so, yeah, as far as skill development, that's what I would look at. I think defensively, you know, strength strength is something he definitely needs. Uh, if, if you look at J.J. Redick, you know, his ability to stay on the court has uh, been significantly tied to the fact that he's become – uh, well, he became a while ago, a, a, you know, sort of a plus team defender. Uh, there's ways he can be exposed uh, one-on-one, but uh, as a team defender, I think he's actually become pretty good. And so that 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 is where Matt Thomas uh, is going to sort of define his playing time. It's, you know, how, how much of an effective team defender can he be? Agreed on all counts. I think his uh, ball handling, that the sort of secondary creator uh, element, uh, you know, we saw some flashes of it this year. I think he's a pretty smart and like instinctful passer, which is good. Um, It's just a matter of sort of refining the handle a little bit and making those reads maybe a little bit quicker and just sort of getting more reps with it. And yeah, him becoming like a beef lord would be good too. If he can, you know, muscle watch for Matt Thomas should be a thing this offseason, I think. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> it'll be a little bit more difficult because they're not going to be in the offseason in the summer. So there won't be like, you know, shiny, glistening tan photos of beefed up arms or anything like that going around to sort of get the hype train going. But 
sure we can make it work. Um, and I would also say, uh, as sort of a joke skill that I'd like to see him improve on, um, you know, he's got the bank shot from 18 feet. I would like to see him start banking in threes just because he can, uh, <laughs> just like wow. from the wings, just like, yeah, I'm going to step in the, you know, the sort of little jump forward shot, uh, from 26 feet and bank it in because I can. And I think that would be very, very cool. It'd be a cool little signature shot for Matt Thomas to add to the arsenal. Uh, we're going to continue on and we're going to get to our listener question about Matt Thomas for today's episode to wrap things up. But first, a reminder that the Toronto Blue Jays are very close to making the playoffs. They're stumbling in ass backwards, but they're almost there. There are very few teams actually contending with them. Their magic number, I think, is down to two. And so if you're interested in the Blue Jays as they go into the postseason, probably to take on the Tampa Bay Rays in the first round of the playoffs, please go check out Locked On Blue Jays with AJ Andrews, who was on this show very recently for a Toronto Sports Roundtable episode. AJ's great, and she's got you covered all the way through the playoffs over there on Locked On Blue Jays. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Big V, let's uh, wrap things up here. We have a lot of questions came in. Again, thank you to everybody who sent them in. But only one can reign supreme. And the question here comes from Charlie Nichols. Congratulations, Charlie. You win nothing for getting your, your question uh, picked, but you're, congrats anyway. Uh, he asks, okay, real talk, Matt looked like his defense got better in the playoffs. Like I noticed a few times, he looked pretty competent. Am I nuts? Does having Matt around make the idea of trading Norm feel safer? Also, will Matt play much at all if the Raptors shooting guard situation stays the same? So let's focus on that Norm thing and sort of general roster construction here, Vivek. Um, you know, there was a piece out today from Eric Kareen sort of asking the question, is now the time to trade Norm considering this might be the peak of his value quite literally ever? and it might be the best time to sort of cash out those chips. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think Norm's very good. I think his contract is pretty reasonable, but it does open up the question with Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas both there sort of itching for minutes, and they didn't get much this year because of the backlog in the Raptors' backcourt. Do you think it makes it a little bit more, I guess, digestible, the idea of trading Norm considering Matt Thomas showed some strides defensively in the playoffs this year? Personally, for me, no. I I like Norm Powell on the Raptors. And again, when I look at the half-court struggles, I think he's someone that can help uh, raise the floor with his individual shot creation. Obviously, the, the, the bubble wasn't the greatest for him. It wasn't a reflection of who he was in the regular season, which uh, he's not he's not alone in that. And so, yeah, I, I, I would like to keep Norm around. The, the one thing I do like about Norm's situation now is it really seems like he's settled into that sixth-man role, which, yeah. kind of, which kind of caps you in terms of your salary. It's not like, you know, I mean, I'm sure he'd love to start uh, and, a, and a team, you know, threw a, uh, you know, a pile of money at him and said, we want you to be our starting shooting guard. That's something that would probably entice him. Uh, but I think looking at the Raptors situation, if he feels like 
this is his best niche, which I think it is. Uh, I think being a six-man energy guy is, is his best role. Uh, you can probably keep him in Toronto uh, at a decent salary, and you know if he's if he's if he's used in in a trade that raises the ceiling, then by all means. But you know, uh, and and by raising the ceiling, I mean something that potentially opens up the cap space you need uh, for 2021 because you've sort of you know gone over what what you thought you might need to to keep Fred VanVleet. Uh, then you know that's the type of trade that I would look at, but I, I wouldn't get rid of Norm, thinking that okay, this is this is you know who he's going to be for the rest of his career. Yeah, like I understand the logic of potentially trading from a surplus position, which if you have Terrence Davis, Matt Thomas, Norm Powell, and Fred VanVleet, if he sticks around, like those are all guys who for them like the two guard is probably their most ideal position. But I only really subscribe to the idea of trading from a surplus if you are actually getting like a star or something like you or like a, a really important missing piece. Like mm-hmm. I was okay trading DeLon Wright for Marcus Gasol because it felt like Marcus Gasol's sort of cohesion on the offensive end was absolutely necessary for that Raptors team that won the title. And so that's the price you have to pay. And that's why you build up a surplus. But I don't know if just trading Norm to trade him is sort of the way to go here especially since you said like he seems to have settled in nicely as that sort of six-man option I I think like you know had he played more games this season he would have been in the conversation for six man of the year and had he not started as many games because the Raptors were so hurt um, like he would have been in that talk as well even with the games he missed and so like if you run it back with him next year hopefully he stays healthy because he's been obviously you know hit by injuries quite a bit had like three different injuries this season but if he can remain healthy, like he's going to be in the conversation for a six man. He's a perfect guy to have off the bench to give you some punch. And honestly, I kind of like the idea. If you can work on the ball handling of Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis, who we'll talk about in a future episode as well, like having, if you still have Fred on the roster and you have Kyle, you know, to sort of have like a bench crew where you can roll out a Matt Thomas, Terrence Davis, Norm Powell backcourt, I don't hate that, at least to test it out in the regular season. It might not fly in the playoffs or anything like that, but to test it out to see if Terrence Davis's ball handling chops have improved as sort of a lead guard, and then you have that shooting in Norm and, uh, and Matt Thomas kind of flanking him, I think that's kind of interesting. So, no, I, I don't think Matt Thomas's defensive improvements mean that Norm becomes more expendable. I think Norm's quite important, but I do understand the logic, and we will talk a lot more about Norm in his player review episode as well. Um, Vivek, do you have any parting shots about Matt Thomas after his first season with the Raptors as we look ahead to next year? Matt Thomas? Um, no. I, I, I just look forward to uh, all the content that Alex is uh, going to have ready for us because, <laughs> you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how much of a spike he gets in his playing time. I think that's going to be an interesting over-under for when we do our over-unders again. Uh, in terms of Matt Thomas at playing time. But, uh, yeah, Alex has got a whole offseason to get the content ready. Uh, so what is Matt Thomas? <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I I look forward to more Alex posts about Matt Thomas, um, both uh, Twitter and in feature written form. I'm sure there will be those written as well because Alex is great. And thank you to Alex for uh, really adding to 
the Raptors online lore uh, when it comes to the Matt Thomas standing. It's been quite enriching watching him, uh, him being Alex, uh, <laughs> you know, champion that cause. And uh, now we're all on board uh, as evidenced by the dozen questions, some of which it said, will Matt Thomas be league MVP next year? Does he plateau at first team all NBA? Um, lots of other uh, high dreaming pod uh, questions about Matt Thomas. So uh, shout out to everybody for making this a very fun player to root for. Shout out to Matt Thomas for the growth he showed this season. We look forward to watching him next year. That is going to do it for today's episode. Um, tomorrow, I think I'm going to go solo, and I'm probably going to talk about Chris Boucher, uh, a bit of an interesting player as well. So if you have your questions about Chris Boucher, please get them on in. I'll do a solo podcast and get that out for you at some point during the day on Thursday. Uh, before we go, though, Vivek, do you have anything you want to plug? No, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob and all my usual stuff at Complex Canada, maybe a little bit at Raptor Republic and maybe a little bit at Sportsnet. Excellent. Uh, love your work as always, buddy. Keep killing it. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Lockdown podcasts you want to support covering the teams that you like, wherever it is you get your podcasts, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, wherever that may be. And uh, that is going to do it. We'll be back again on Thursday to talk about Chris Boucher and the season that was and the future that might be for him with the Raptors. Uh, again, get your questions in, and we'll talk to you Thursday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.